0: Good morning, everyone. Hopefully, you. Good morning. Hopefully, you've had. Your, I'm supposed to stay in this box right here. Hopefully, you had your coffee. It's early. Saw the keynote session today. It was really good. This is Dev 209, a field guide to monitoring on the AWS cloud from lift and shift, or as one of my customers coined, lift and polish, to Lambda. Thank you very much for joining. We appreciate it. Hello, real quick survey, looking for hands. And if we have, I think we have an overflow room. And if you're over there, please raise your hand as well with this question. Want to make sure that we have participation everywhere. Whether you consider yourself a programmer or not, have you written a line of code? Raise your hand. I love it. Now I think I'm gonna get a tweet that says, the other room, everybody raised their hand. So this is really good. There's a point to this. When you wrote your first line of code, you didn't really know what to expect. I know when I started a while ago, I had to do my own monitoring. Things have changed. One of my favorite, favorite movies has this line in it. We count everything in baseball. Everything, pitcher stats on base percentage, hitting, outfield, errors, runs, hits, everything. If they do it, they're doing it for a very specific reason. They're using these statistics to make business decisions. Business decisions in baseball is key. If you guys know the movie, this was coined by Billy Chappell from the movie, again, my favorite one, for love of the game. Again, hello. So of those people who may or may not consider yourself programmers, how did you monitor? How did you know your program was successful? When you deployed it, whether it was a single program or part of a project that you were working with other developers on, how did you know you were successful? Sometimes you didn't. You just pushed it out there as a developer and you hope for the best. We wanna help you get those answers even at the developer stage. So again, hello, my name is Kevin Downs. I've walked around the room and I wish I could have met every single one of you, but I met a few of you. Um, I've been around the enterprise software industry for over 20 years. For 12 of them, I was a customer-facing solution architect. So I've been at a lot of businesses from Fortune 2 through Fortune 10 and 50 and all the way down. Spent a lot of time in front of customers talking about monitoring, how to monitor their enterprise. And some of these customers, worldwide customers, and they have very unique. When someone says, my place is unique, some of them are. Very unique environments. How do you monitor at scale? I'm from New Relic, I am the Senior Cloud Architect. Um, Please LinkedIn me, I'd love to get to know you. I have a few certifications, so I might know a thing or two about something called AWS. And this is a picture of my first computer. Some of you may know it. It dates me just a little bit. It has a gorgeous, right, gorgeous membrane keyboard. I can hut and pink on that thing five words an hour. Absolutely, lightning speed. 2K of memory. 2K. You guys consume how much memory in your, your servers today? Don't answer, 2K. If you were lucky and you had parents who didn't know a thing about computers, and by the way, that computer's about this big. If they didn't know a thing, you could talk them into anything. I was able to talk them into the 16K expansion. (laughs) You know we're screaming now, guys. I can write lines and lines, pages and pages of code on that membrane keyboard for years, years. Now, another note about this, that's my computer. That's my picture. That's the floor of my office. I still own my first computer and my expansion. It can't connect to a thing in this world. I have no clue how to find those ports anymore. I can't even prove it works. Do you know the storage space with this? A tape drive. Do you want to make tape drives? Yeah, I'm, so you know what you're talking about. I can't tell you how many tape drives I had to go through in the house before it actually worked. I think I had to go to a grandfather to get one. It was ridiculous. want to introduce my co speaker here who's going to introduce himself. Very grateful, super excited to have him up stage, uh, on stage with me. And before he does his introduction, I want everyone to think about you being up here with me next year because I'm already thinking about my next year's speech. And I would love for one of you to say, I was here last year, and I get to talk to you about my migration journey, my cloud adoption journey, my monitoring journey with New Relic. So, take it away.
1: Rob did such a great job that, you know, they want to replicate that, something like that. Exactly. Uh, so I'm Rob, Rob Gindis. Uh I did not walk around and meet all of you this morning because I am introverted. So sorry about that. Um, so hopefully you, you got to enjoy meeting Kevin. Uh, <laughs> I manage uh, site reliability engineering as part of our platform as a service team at Gannett. So if you are playing buzzword bingo or a drinking game related to uh, people on stage, Firing off buzzwords, you can take a couple sips because I just said SRE and PAS in my same title. I'll talk a little bit about what that means uh, at Gannett. Gannett's better known as USA Today. We own, operate, and manage USA Today, the USA Today Network. Obviously one of the largest news media organizations in the country. Uh, Beyond that, we also have 131 uh, regional local news properties. We'll talk about that a little bit as well. Um, This picture of me as a child, I was assured by my mother after two hours of searching that this was the best picture she could find of my childhood computer, which was a Compact Desk Pro. Uh, you'll just have to trust that behind me, which I appear to be eating something as per usual, uh, that is a Desk Pro, which uh, unfortunately... Wait, wait, having... hang up. Ready? Yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah so that's, yeah, that's what that looked like uh, with that big monitor lug around, dropping on my foot. Uh, that's, uh, that's the Compact Desk Pro that, uh, again, doesn't hook up to anything, that's because mine is uh, in a landfill. My father recently threw it out in the basement of uh, their house
0: there. Yeah, I feel the same way with my hockey gear that my parents threw out. Not that I could play today, but I would have liked to have had it. Thank you, Rob. Thank you. So I talked a little bit about that quote from For Love of the Game. It comes from the term sabermetrics. Now, some of you may recognize this. If you follow baseball, if you follow what's going on in the last... 15 years or so. It's the empirical analysis of baseball, especially baseball statistics that measure in-game activity. And that's the key part of the sentence, in-game. Right now, what's going on right now because I need to make a decision based on what just happened. Some of you may recognize this term. It's money ball. Now, I don't presume to be Brad Pitt, but this is exactly what Moneyball is all about, monitoring. But they do it for baseball. Term was coined by Bill James. So again, hello. So what are we doing with our programming? So we did this programming, we pushed it out there, and when we wrote our first program, we hit enter, we submitted, we did something, and we were looking for something very clear. We were trying to say, hello world. I guarantee you, if I asked you to raise your hands again, more than half of you, this would have been your first program. In fact, there's my first program on my Timex Sinclair 1000. It didn't take up 2K, so I was okay. And when I hit enter, I got my monitoring response. I had instant feedback. I knew I was successful because I got the output I wanted. But way back in the day, I was also doing iterations, rapid iterations. I mean, we were flying, so two minutes later, I had to iterate because this is no longer my first program. I had to do a well-documented first program. (laughs) I know my college professors were very interested in my documented programs, so I started early on learning how to document things. So Rob, I know you have an experience with your first programming. Can you tell the audience what your first programming experience was?
1: Oh, gladly. (laughs) So Kevin asked me to, to relate my first programming experience, and I thought back, you know, what really was it? And uh, I thought, okay, when I was 12 years old, I decided the world needed to know about the opinions of Rob the 12-year-old, uh, so I decided to learn basic HTML, very crude and awful HTML, and make my own little blog web page. Uh, so Kevin's done me a great service here. Like, I don't know that it was as well-formatted as this little Hello World thing you see here, because I, I don't think I knew, like, what a header tag was at the time. So he really done me a good service. Um, and I, uh, so I put together this little web page. I'm not going to talk any further about it, because I don't want anybody in the room to go find it. I uh, guess <laughs> that needs to stay buried in the early 2000s. Um, but I think the really funny thing about it is that I was doing a sort of monitoring on that web page that I think a lot of people uh, do now, and that certainly we do variations of, which was, in order to monitor the status of that web page, I did this really sophisticated thing called click the save button and see it live and see if uh, anything breaks when an end user is looking at it. Of course, at the time that web page had one end user, and that was me, so it didn't really have a huge your impact. Your mom, your mom too, right? Yeah, my mom loves my. She, I mean, she really thinks that she thought that stuff was the best, it and was. so. You you click save, see if it works, and I think that it's funny because a lot of people are still doing that sort of monitoring. I think we'll talk a little bit about that, that click save, cross your fingers, hope it works.
0: Excellent. Thank you, Rob. So we did this. We coded. Most of you raised your hands. You pushed it out there. You did it. Why were you doing it? What did you need to do when you pushed it out there, when you ran it, when you submitted it? You needed to prove it was successful. If you write a program, if you deploy an application, your goal is to make it successful, prove success. So that's what we're here to tell you about today. So what we're going to cover, we're going to cover a couple of things. Monitoring has changed. So my first program, Rob's first program, very small, long time ago. We actually both started at 12, so that was an interesting when I learned about that. It's changed a lot. In fact, it's changed a lot since two days ago. A lot of new things coming up. Migration 101. I'm gonna be weaving migration throughout the day. I talked to a number of you before the session. You're interested in a migration story, some baselining before and after. I'm gonna cover that throughout and how the, how the new Relic products can help you with that. <clears throat> the new Relic platform. Surprise, surprise, I'm gonna be talking about the new Relic platform. This session is sponsored by us. We're gonna cover it front to back. But we're gonna do it from a little bit of a different point of view. Rob is a great customer of ours, one of our strategic customers. We're gonna be weaving his story throughout the presentation and how does Rob, Gannett USA Today, how do they use New Relic? All right, so things have changed. We've already talked about that. 15, 20 years ago, the ops folks in the house had a lock and key on the data center. Nobody could get in. Nobody could make changes without change approval. Things have changed since then. In fact, not too long ago, we started with one deploy per quarter pretty fast. Back then my five hour a minute typing was pretty slow. So we're doing one deploy per quarter now. We're just doing the Java. So fast forward a little bit. We're moving to two deploys per month. We're screaming now. We've got things going out. There's no longer shrink wrap software. We're deploying it on the internet. We're using things like PHP. Still using Java, but we're getting out there much, much faster. Let's move a little bit forward. Now we're at two deploys per week. getting a little scary now. We don't have a weekend. Things are going by much, much, much quicker. I know you guys are nodding your heads. You guys have been doing this for years. We're using things like Ruby. We're using things like PHP still. We have Java. But this new thing has come about. AWS. I've been working with AWS since 2009. Some of you may remember those days. Those were the command line days. Those were fun. We're so happy we have a console now. We have things like EC2 and S3. Amazon EC2, Amazon F3. We had those. They were pretty cool. Now, Rob, can, can you tell the audience what your first experience with AWS was? Was it at Gannett?
1: Yes. And so I started with Gannett in about 2014, just about three years ago. Uh, oh, I should stand up and talk so people can see me. I think I'm in the shadows. Uh, you're, a
0: little, you're a little shorter than me, so yeah. Oh, should I? No, uh, no.
1: So I started in 2014, and we were really early in Amazon at that time. Uh, We started as a team called DevOps. That's another one for your uh, buzzword bingo or take a sip of your beverage. Uh, We started as the DevOps team, and what we really were was just sort of like a cloud-based operational team. We went to people who were kind of frustrated with how long it took to deploy apps and systems, and we said, give us a package. We'll put it on an EC2 server. We'll image that server, and then we'll tie that to an auto-scaling group. So we basically took operations. We put it in the cloud. Um, That was what we were doing at That time. We thought we were really sort of changing the paradigm, but when you kind of get down to it, it was very much a very classical operational shop, and we were just swapping
0: out data center for Amazon. Excellent, excellent. All right. We're moving faster. So now it's many deploys per day. Now things are iterating often. Often through lunch, through dinner, they're going, before you're even waking up, you're doing an iteration. We're still using AWS, but we're now adding much more sophisticated services. We're using ECS. We're using Kinesis, Firehose, Lambda. We're doing a lot of the very cool services that you're starting to become accustomed to. We're still doing it with a whole bunch of languages. We've added Docker now, so we've got containers going. So there's a lot of stuff that we're monitoring. You guys are doing a lot of stuff too. So can you tell the audience... How has your footprint of AWS expanded over the years since you started?
1: Yeah, so this is where I think this becomes the really interesting thing, and this is where I think our journey starts to mirror your journey in New Relic, and we'll talk about all the different things that New Relic provides and all the different ways we use it, and it starts with us kind of realizing that as this DevOps team, as this sort of cloud operations team, we figured... We have these nice things. We can deploy faster, we can, you know, we can scale, uh, but we're not really solving problems. We're just using more sophisticated tools, and we have the same problems. So we wanted to sort of shift the paradigm. That's where we came from. Paradigm shift is another, if you're doing your buzzword, but you've got to fill out your cards by now. Take a drink. Um, so the paradigm shift was we went from this team that took people's app packages, deployed them on an Amazon server, uh, and we became what we call a pass, right? So we're on a platform as a service. And what we what we we're doing is uh, we're encouraging self-service within our company. So teams that develop applications now they uh, we call them application teams. So they're not just responsible for the development of an app; they're responsible for everything from writing the code, packaging it, uh, provisioning a server, deploying it on a server, uh, scaling, reliability, etc. And so that really added a bunch of dimensions to how uh, we think about how we need to monitor, right? Because it's no longer about oh, we do deployments during deployment windows and everything's locked down and we have a great understanding of what's going to happen when code gets released. It's that 30 to 40 teams depend on us, at Ginet, uh to surface this cloud platform and they do anything they want with it. And so they might run a bunch of deployments at once. They might, you know, might have every team deploying at the same time. We have to be, A, prepared to handle that. We have to have the systems that allow them to do that. And then, B, like with New Relic, we have to surface some tool for them so that they can look at that and understand uh, whether the code they're pushing is good or not.
0: I'm going to talk a little more about that a bit. Excellent. We're definitely going to get into that. So data volume has increased exponentially as well. So we have an awful lot of data. In fact, back then, we had one application... We may have had a couple large servers, maybe a database, maybe we backed it up properly. Yes, of course we did. And we were doing one deploy per quarter. Today, we're using multiple languages across multiple regions. We have containers. We have four services now. We're doing scaling up and down. We're using the right instance size. We have multiple databases in multiple regions backing each other up all the time. Or we're now going to start using Aurora Serverless Aurora, that's an exciting thing. Let's get that in there as well. Many deploys per day. Now, there's an interesting story that I think we can talk about now. You guys do many deploys per day. How is New Relic helping you get those deploys out? Yeah,
1: so I think this is the really interesting sort of challenge in 2017, the challenge for us and the challenge for you. Uh, When I started and we were sort of just a cloud operations team, uh, we, we're still using monitoring and trying to understand performance in the same way I did as a 12-year-old with my website, with like fancier tools and you know smarter people than me. But we're still trying to answer the question of just like thumbs up, thumbs down. Does this is this app good or no? Is it performing or not? Do we need to add more resources or what? Um, the questions that we have to ask are different now, and that's why we turn to a tool like New Relic. Now, the way I kind of think about it is. For example, like I'm assuming a lot of people in the room work pretty closely with Amazon every day, probably in the console. So something that you've probably done a lot is, like, right-sizing instances, right? Something everybody does. So as a for example, something we do often is we might say we're running a bunch of servers in the R family, and then my boss will come to me and say, you know, are these Is this application memory constrained? And if not, can we try to move that to the C family and save some money, right? So we'll do something like spin up a bunch of servers running that app in the C family, gauge performance. Okay, it's performing right. Move everything in the R family down, kick all that out. I think it's funny to think about if we tried to like approach that same problem 10, 15, 20 years ago. Uh, Let's say you kind of went into a data center and tried to ask that same question. I feel like somebody would either uh, physically assault you or you would get fired, right? Because you go in, you're looking at a physical rack and you say, what would happen if we just threw all these things out and we just installed a bunch of new hardware, right? And then you did that and you're like, ah, performance isn't exactly right, let's go dig in the garbage and get those servers that we threw out, right? You couldn't even ask those questions. Uh, Now, because we can, it becomes all about answering the question of, can we get the right performance in the cheapest and most efficient way possible? And so everything you've got up here becomes a question. So running a containerized infrastructure, is that better or worse than running on you know, just virtual machines? You know, Different services, should those be monoliths, should those be microservices? Small, 10 small instances, should that be five large instances? And do we see performance and, and increases um, all the way on down the line? And so I think that's the really interesting challenge is because it's no longer just saying, does this app work, does it not work? It's, am I using the right infrastructure? Am I using the right systems? Uh, even into the am I in the right cloud, right? And because this is an Amazon conference, I'm obligated to say that if the answer to that is Amazon, then yes, you are in the right cloud. Absolutely. Thank
0: you, Rob. Don't laugh. He is. He's in the right cloud. So we've set this thing up. We've talked a little bit about what's in the past, a little bit of history. That was part of the title, the abstract. Now let's talk about how we're going to monitor these things. We're going to start with the customer experience, and we're going to start with one of our easiest fastest-to-use tools, synthetics. We're going to cover browser. Now we're talking a little bit more real user monitoring. Then we're going to cover mobile. Someone out there has a mobile application, whether you're using it or you're deploying it. We have the ability to monitor your mobile devices, your mobile application. We're going to move over to application monitoring. We're going to talk about application performance monitoring, our APM tool. This is the tool that we started on, this is a tool that is base, you know, our, the base foundation rock of our company. We're gonna move over to infrastructure, we're gonna talk about new Relic infrastructure, monitoring servers in the cloud, servers on-prem. That's what we're gonna cover. Remember I told you we're gonna weave in migration. You wanna start with the little things. If you have an application that has a web front end, start with the little things. This is a customer experience. Is it up? Is it performing properly? How is it doing? So the questions to ask when you do a migration, I talked to some of you, you're looking for migration stories. How are we performing right now? What are our baselines? We don't know where we're going to go until we know where we came from. Are we stable? Are we doing what we need to do now so we know when we move, we're ready to move? And are we ready to migrate? Do we have errors? Is it the right time? Are we migrating properly? Is it gonna be a lift and polish? Or are we gonna re-instrument? So let's talk about New Relic Synthetics. It's an automated source of performance data, which means we set up bots, we set up scripts all over the world to monitor that website. We have a very well-known, consistent, we know when we're doing it, we know what we're doing it, and we know how we're doing it. It allows you to get A baseline and this is the great thing about synthetics is there's no instrumentation we're not touching your code we're not putting an agent anywhere it's a really quick time to value one of you mentioned how quickly can we do it very quickly this is an example of monitoring an on-prem website now 90% availability on-prem website availability might be good it really depends on where your customers are in this case, in the middle, we have the load time from around the world, and these are the slowest load time. If your customers aren't in those slowest load time locations, you don't have to monitor for them. On the right is our app decks. It's our customer experience. The closer you get to one, the better. 94% is pretty good. So then we want to compare it to the migrated state. So once you know where you were, you migrate, and you do it again. So let's compare it with what we have now. So now we've done it again, taking the exact same scripts, and we're now monitoring it in a well-architected, re-architected cloud environment. Looks great, right? 100% across the board. The slowest load times are better than the other load times up top. We have just proven success that we monitored this website, whatever the application was, properly. Our customers have great experience. That 1% over there at the right, which is exactly what you want, don't let it fool you, I've seen it go to 9.9, 9.8. Sometimes I catch it at a bad second. But for the most part, it's perfect across the board. It was well architected properly. This came from a POC request, proving that we can uh, have their managers know that they did their job properly. Now with New Relic, some of the cool things about the benefits of using New Relic is our integration, our integrations to AWS. So when you do this, you may not be instrumenting on-prem, but as you move to the cloud, you want to instrument everything. So now, with all the integrations we have, we're going to be able to show you infrastructure on your EC2 environment. We're going to show you your RDS consumption, your cloud front, your application load balancer. We're going to get you your EC2 usage at the bottom. So I'm now bringing in some monetary numbers. If you look at the lower left, I'm letting you know your budget information. So a couple of you were asking about some high-level CIO dashboards. This is a great one. Here is your status page. This shows you that not only are things working great, but this is what this application is costing me in AWS. Now, it's not just for CIOs. It's not just for CTOs. It's for the operators. Have you architected it properly? Are you consuming too many resources? Are you scaling up too much? Are you using in, uh, in instances that are too big? And it's also for developers. If you're going to do cloud formation, script out these, the infrastructure code. You want to make sure you're consuming things properly. If you're consuming too much money, too much of your budget, fix it. Now, you guys use Synthetics at, at Gannett. Rob, uh, can you show us and tell us what this dashboard is doing for you guys at Gannett?
1: Absolutely. So this is a piece of a dashboard that I use every day. So getting back to how beyond the USA Today application, we have 131 separate mobile, property, or mobile properties or local properties is the correct word I should be using. Uh, newspapers you might recognize, the Indianapolis Star, Arizona Republic, uh, Detroit Free Press, and we run all those out of one large Kubernetes cluster. And We'll talk about that a little bit. And so as we monitor that, and we need a tool that gives us insight into that at a lot of different levels. This is where I do my like, hair club for men thing, where I talked a little bit about how we are uh, a platform as a service. We take New Relic. It's part of our cloud platform that we surface and we give to all the teams that uh, we support. And we're also really big consumers of it as well. right? So this is, again, it's a dashboard that I use in real life every day. Um, and it's neat because you can do different things with uh, all the different tools that, that New Relic gives you. Uh, the first thing we have at the top there is an aggregation of average homepage uh, load across all 131 sites. So what's neat about that is that we're taking all these individual New Relic monitors that we have, all these ping checks, and we can actually, like, aggregate them all together. We can split them all apart. And so I need to know at both of those levels, right? I need to know at the global level. I need to know at the individual site level. Uh, to the right there, you see an availability number, so I know how many nines I have. We caught this at a good time, and it was 100. It's, it's not always 100, but I just took a screenshot when it was. Uh, and those last three things you see are from New Relic Browser. Um, that's real browser stats for three of our individual specific sites. And so we need that insight every day. We need that insight of, because all these sites actually run on the same web, uh, web app framework underneath, I need to know that across all these sites is performance okay, because if it's not, something's wrong with one of these, something's wrong with the app. Uh, I need to know how users are experiencing it because if some user for some site isn't experiencing it in a way that we expect, we know that the configs for that site are bad. Um, So it gives me a lot of answers in the same place at a lot of different levels. Excellent. Thank you, Rob.
0: Start basic, but do it quickly. So how easy is it to use synthetics to get going? You're going to start monitoring a URL. This is the basis for almost every scripted environment you're going to monitor. It's just a simple line. Monitor this website. Tell me, let me know what's going on. Is it up? How long did it take to load? Go a little bit more advanced. You can start doing what your users are gonna do. You can navigate to a link. So again, we're gonna to go to our website, look for a link, click it. Very simple. Now Again, this is a 200 level course. We can go much more deeper. We can use usernames and passwords to go in here. We can get pretty in depth into monitoring from synthetics. And you, again, you're establishing a baseline if you're monitoring, if you're migrating. You're using these to let you know across the board how things are going. It's very easy to set up. I'm going to go through this a little bit quicker. It's a, basically a three step process give it a name, tell it what AppDex metric you want to use, give it a time frame. How often do you wanna monitor this? You have full control over that. Then decide where you're gonna monitor it from. And folks, it's just that easy. One line of code, a couple clicks, and you've gotta monitor. Let's move over to New Relic Browser. Now we're getting a little bit deeper. We're talking about real users, your customers who are consuming your website how are they experiencing it? How are they consuming what you're doing? We, we did great with synthetics, but that was controlled. Let's go into the wild and find out how our customers are using us. So, real users. Let's see what they get. So this is a very simple screenshot out of the box. Rob's going to show some really cool stuff. Page load times for your customers, where they're located, what browsers they're using. A lot more in-depth data. You get to drill down now. You've got session information. You get to expose some JavaScript errors. So we're gonna give you some more information. So you're going a little bit more, you're peeling the onion, one more layer. Now, this is an awesome screenshot that Rob has. So this is Rob using, or Gannett using a new Relic browser, but this is pretty unique. Can you talk to us about what we're looking at here? Yeah, so I do like the screenshot. Gotta... Is his mic on, guys?
1: I can shout. There okay. Uh, so I really like this screenshot because it feels like something a salesman would pitch to, to you all if you don't use New Relic yet, but I promise you, like, this is a real thing I use every day. Um, this is, if you know your U.S. geography, which I do not, this is the state of Indiana. Uh, we own the Indianapolis Star regional newspaper in that area, and I use New Relic Browser, and you can actually see if you, I think your first click there, if you see uh, I filtered down to the United States state of Indiana. So what we're seeing here. And I, I promise you, I really use this. Is how people in Indiana are experiencing the Indianapolis Star, and I think it's really cool because in all browser metrics, this isn't a New Relic specific thing. This is anytime you try to gauge how people, you know, what browser you have. Seems like you're dealing with bot traffic and web scrapers, and there can be a lot of noise in that data. So I like drilling down here because it tells us really clearly how is the actual user, I know these are actual users, and how are they actually experiencing my application? And so we get that score at the bottom there. That tells us an average page load time. We can baseline that. We can we can try to negotiate that against how we expect that to be, and we can drill down even further, and if you see all the way on the right there, there's individual uh, Uh, Cities, And so it's really drilled down as far as we can possibly go. We can go into those cities and go into those transactions. And I can say, how is this person in Muncie, Indiana, experiencing the Indianapolis Star? What are the transactions that are happening? How long are they taking? What other services are those calling? And all the way down the line. So it's cool because the last time I talked, right, we have this global uh, view of page load time that we care about. But then we also care about all the way down the line. And then we need a tool, not just my team, but the teams I support. I should stop touching my mic, I think. Uh, Not just me, but the teams I support. Uh, We need that in one tool, and that's why we use New Relic. Absolutely. Thank you very much.
0: Let's move over. So when we talked about Synthetics and mobile, we were getting deeper and deeper from the customer experience. When you're talking about migration, start with Synthetics. You need to go a little deeper, move over to browser. Next on the customer experience is New Relic Mobile. Understand how your apps are being consumed on the small screen. Nice, a high-level overview of mobile. You can look at crashes by operating system. What are the errors that your customers are experiencing? Where are they being launched from? What OS is again? And response time as well as the interactions. We're getting deeper now. So if you wanna go one level deeper, if you're establishing multiple baselines and you need to go deeper to find out how your stuff is doing before migration, here's another one or if you're just monitoring your mobile applications, this product is excellent for doing it. <clears throat> we cover both Android and iOS, and we support many different platforms. So a little bit of recap, we covered customer experience with synthetics, which was an automated monitoring for the, what the customer can do. We controlled that. We move over to browser, real user time, and then mobile, applications on the small screen. Let's jump over to application performance management where New Relic started. Let's cover that. New Relic has some really great slogans. One of them is, we want to help you build great software. That's actually not what the slogan is. If you've seen some of our stickers, you'll know what the slogan is. But we want to help you create great software. So I'm going to show a couple of different things that you may or may not know that APM can do, and then Rob's going to go into how to use it. This is a service map. Now the service map tells you what your application is on and what it's touching. So this application has some metrics. We can expose those metrics right here on the service map to give you a nice high-level view of what's going on. But you can expand out. What is this application talking to? Who are we connected to? So let's expand that out. We notice that we have four connections to this application. So let's blow it up. It's bigger. We've got three on the right, one on the left, We're exposing it further and further. And we even can show you if you need to go backwards where it came from. So let's expand this fully. So this gives you visibility into what your application is touching in your environment. Now, from a migration point of view, this is an excellent tool to do pre-migration. You're gonna use it and you're gonna say, where did that come from? I didn't know we were even touching that. We better include that in our migration story. Our migration plan don't forget it make sure it's working now you know what to move we also have something health maps this is a great great high-level view of all of your applications in one page this is a blown-up view and it tells you if you have any issues you can see that we have one issue for our Tower Washington application and we expose metrics here as well high-level let you know what's going on but this is a great part about this view these are the instances, the host, that this application is using. So you can see at a glance, if you're the operations person, you're loving this screen. Your hosts are green across the board. There's not one thing that you have to worry about right now. In fact, you're pointing the finger at the developers because they have an application that they need to work on because there's a problem over there. We support seven languages. Here's the first three, Go, Java, and .NET. Very easy to deploy. If you can get a synthetics out in a couple minutes, you can deploy these agent monitoring in about five to ten minutes. It's very quick. Here's four more that we support. Uh, Node.js, PHP, Python, and the founder of New Relic started with Ruby. Lucerne is the founder of New Relic, and he created it because he knew that he can create an awesome SaaS-based monitoring solution, and it all started with Ruby. And again, it's very very easy to deploy to these languages. Now, Rob, I know you use APM a lot at Gannett. Uh This is a very standard APM screen. There's, there's nothing special about it. It's not customized. Can you tell us how you use APM at Kynet and, and how it helps you?
1: Yeah, and we, we use it a lot of different ways, but the reason I wanted to get this screenshot in here and the reason I wanted to talk for a minute right here about this is on the surface, it's like, okay, three graphs, but... The really cool thing and the really powerful thing about this is this is the actual graph we use. If you remember earlier, I was talking about those questions you have to answer when you talk about migrating from infrastructure to infrastructure, from cloud to cloud. This is what we use to, to determine whether or not we can do that. Um, so we, over the summer, as I mentioned, we have 131 news properties. They all... Uh, the way we set up the infrastructure behind them is there were all these little uh, little tiny monoliths running. We had all these different servers. Um, we wanted to move that to Kubernetes. We realized that if we moved to a large shared Kubernetes cluster from a resource efficiency standpoint, uh, we could save uh, half of our costs. We go right off the bat. We could deploy six times faster. We saw all these benefits were going to happen if we moved to Kubernetes. But what we didn't know was, is that, is that going to be okay for the app? You know, is that still going to be within the error bars of performance for the application? So we have the confidence and the trust in New Relic to use the APM tool, and we would compare and contrast and say this is how this app performs, spin it up and move traffic, and understand, right? And so that's the name of the game for us, and that's what, what cloud monitoring really means to us, is we, we can s- spin up more efficient, cheaper servers and compare performance, and we keep uh, reducing and reducing and reducing until uh, you know we kind of hit that threshold, and then we might have to add a little bit back. But this is what we use for that, um, because New Relic, as we've always understood it, is the, is the gold standard in APM, so we
0: trust it to tell us what real performance looks like. I love how you talk about confidence. Uh, move with confidence, deploy with confidence. These graphs help you prove success, as I mentioned earlier. That's the whole point of deploying an application, and monitoring it is to prove success. And Rob using APM for their monitoring, not only on a daily basis, but also from a change or migration point of view is an excellent use case. So a little bit of recap. We covered customer experience and we just moved on to applications with APM. Let's move over to infrastructure. Complete dynamic infrastructure and server monitoring on-prem and in the cloud. Nice high-level overview. You have the the visibility into your CPU, your load, your memory, and if you are also monitoring your applications, we're gonna give you an APM uh, view as well there, right on your infrastructure. We saw it in the last product with APM, where we showed you both the application and the hosts. We're showing you here as well, the hosts and the application. On the top, if you have any events, we call those out as well. Very easy to get into them. You guys use infrastructure a lot. Can you tell the audience how you're using New Relic infrastructure to monitor your environment.
1: Yeah, so it, it gets back to us as a PaaS team, right? We have an expectation of ourselves and the people who use our platform that you have that full-scale ownership and responsibility over your systems. And so, earlier, we kind of looked at the top piece of this dashboard that we had that had some f- synthetics and browser stuff. This is more of that same dashboard. It's got some stuff for an infrastructure. infrastructure. Uh, like I said, this stuff's running in a Kubernetes cluster. So we've got some Kubernetes stats. How do my workers look? How many containers am I running? You know, am I overloading any one worker? You know, am I running out of resources? So the really cool and important thing here is that this is all part of the same dashboard, and if you actually click one more time, this is even further down on that dashboard. We've got some Linux system-specific stuff that we care about. We realized we put these on the dashboard after our cluster fell over because of these things. Uh, Some of it's uh, just system settings, uh, disk IO, things that uh, will cause us to have a bad day. All that stuff is in the same dashboard. And so that's, to me, the real power of New Relic, is that in this same dashboard, I have some insight into how my CDN layer is performing. I have some insight into our APM and our browser stats, as well as the synthetic stuff. I go a level further down into that, and I understand how those applications perform and interact with upstream, (laughs) downstream. I go a little further than that and I understand how the servers that they're running on are performing and all the way down, as far down as we go and care about. Because that's the real need for me you know. now and as we move to the future is that I own every part of this infrastructure. And so it's not good enough to, to have a tool that gives me a little bit here and then another tool over there, especially as I turn around, I deliver this to our internal customers. If we give them five, 10 different tools, they're just going to turn around and reject them, right? right? It has to be easy, and it has to be powerful at the same time. Now,
0: I've heard, I heard a rumor um, in my time at New Relic that we had something last year. It was a slightly important event called the election, and you guys did something kind of unique during the election, actually election night. Can you tell the audience what was that about?
1: Yeah, so that was our first foray. Foray, that's how you pronounce that word. It's our first foray into uh, Kubernetes in production at scale, We had never run uh, production workloads in Kubernetes, and we decided why not have the first time be on
0: election night? So, so you you started using Kubernetes on election night. night. Good change control.
1: Yeah, Yeah, we just figured why not. Uh, So, I don't have a smart reason for that. It just seemed cool. So, we put everything into Kubernetes, we did some testing, we felt pretty confident, uh, and we, we fired it off, and we were able to do I don't remember what the number even is 100, 300 deployments that night. Uh, We were able to deploy at speed. We were able to run resilient, and it worked, which is why I'm standing up here still uh, an employee of Gannett.
0: (laughs) So on election night, you deployed, and depending on who you talk to, it's millions of applications. I think it's in the hundreds or whatever. You deployed a whole bunch of updates. So would you say that New Relic gave you the confidence that if there was an issue with one of those on election night, deep into who's going to win... And if there was a problem, you could roll back quickly. Is that fair to say?
1: Yeah, and I would say that without a tool like New Relic, and I don't know that there are tools like New Relic, so without New Relic, I don't know that we would have done it in the first place because we had to have, like we keep saying, that confidence, right? We had to be able to say performance is going to look good. And, and, I, and, and not just that the app's going to stay up, but really kind of richly understand what
0: application performance needs to look like from all levels. Excellent. So this is a 200-level course. I'm going to go into a little bit of depth into how easy it it is to install our infrastructure product. It is super easy. If you're doing it manually, it's a bash script. It's a four line script. I don't know where else I've ever been in my 20 year monitoring history that I've installed something with only four lines very, very quickly. So I figured it's gotta be a little bit harder on Windows. Windows takes a little bit more. I could use an MSI install or I could use a PowerShell script. It's gotta be more than four lines, nope. Four lines of code again. It is super easy to install our agent. You can deploy quickly. User data. You spin up EC2 instances. That thing called user data is where you can put some code. I apologize, we're up to five lines of code. Had to do that? Had one more line of code. Still as simple to do it. I actually wrote a blog post on our New Relic blog, and I created a video to prove how quick you can actually deploy an instance from scratch and our agent on it, and receive data. You can receive data in less than 60 seconds. In fact, it's 57 seconds exactly. I encourage you to go to this blog, read about it, learn how to do it. It is super quick. You can use automated installation. So we support Ansible. We have scripts for that. Chef. I think you guys use Chef, right? We
1: do, and we love Chef.
0: All right. So we use Chef. You also can deploy with Puppet. Uh, AWS Elastic Beanstalk. If you have developers out there spinning up environments with Elastic Beanstalk, you can deploy the agent on their servers as well. And Amazon et 2 Systems Manager. It was released one year ago. Looking for a little bit of a hands here. How many are using Systems Manager? Excellent. How many are thinking about, know about it, and plan to use it? Excellent. Did you know that when you spin up an Amazon Linux environment or a Windows instance, you automatically get the simple systems manager agent loaded automatically. Just know that for your edification, you can do it. This is what the script or the web interface looks like to my multi-platform script that I created based on a couple customer requests. Super easy, super quick, fill out a couple fields, everything you would need to configure our agent to include a couple custom parameters. Now, some of you asked about automation and how to do things better. We gave Gannett, and we give you, some really awesome tools. What Gannett has done is they've put something in front of us. Rob, can you tell us how you've taken automation of, of New Relic and monitoring your environment to a really cool level?
1: Yeah, so I've, I've talked about how I manage SRE on a PaaS team, right? Talked a lot about what PaaS means to us. I haven't really talked about what SRE means to us. And so for us, SRE is at Gannett to solve problems and create efficiencies and take people away from having to do sort of like the arduous, toyless work that they'd otherwise have to do. So one sort of really complex challenge that we have, and I say we and I really mean that Kevin has. This really isn't my problem. I'm making it your problem, which is we go to New Relic and we go to services, every vendor we use, but especially New Relic, and we say We need more, give us more, 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 more. More products, more features, more integration between features, everything Kevin's talking about. And we have feature requests all the time. And we say, we need more power, we need more logic, we need more understanding. Some of the stuff we'll talk about at the end of this presentation, I think, is the really exciting stuff in that area. But as we ask for more, as we are a PADS, we turn around and deliver that to development teams, right? And as it turns out, the more operational stuff you try to give to development teams, they're not always super in love with it, right? Whether that's they just reject it out of hand or whether it's they just simply don't have the time to prioritize, like, getting in and getting the subject matter expertise. So we have these super powerful tools we hand over to a developer and they can't get the most out of it. So that's where we come in and we want to build something that answers that question. And so we came up with this new Relic service. This is what it looks like right now. It's a Jenkins job. And the idea behind it was somebody could tell us within our company, I just want to monitor a web app, or I want to monitor a load balancer, or whatever it is. And we, in our minds, have some idea of what basic web app, load, bal- load balancer, couch base, any kind of common thing that we use, what monitoring might look like for that tool. So in this Jenkins job, for instance, somebody would give us a uh, website. This is where my app lives in the world. This is how people interact with it. Uh, and uh, tell us where it lives. Tell us where the servers are. And so they would put that information uh, and they would hit build on this job, and we would do a few things for them. So, number one, we create synthetic checks for them, right? Pretty straightforward. We realize that people who have a website to monitor probably want to do a ping check against it, right? So, why not just automate that away? So, we make an API call uh, to Synthetics, and we create that for them. Next thing we do, uh, and I hope I'm allowed to talk about this because I think this is still in beta. Um, so sorry, New Relic, if I wasn't supposed to mention that we make an API call to the dashboard's API, and we, we create an insights dashboard for them as well. Getting back to, okay, web app monitoring, everybody in this room has a sort of basic idea of what web app monitoring looks like. Every web app in the universe, you probably care about at least four things. You care about uh, memory, CPU, disk, and a load average, right? Maybe, maybe not, but it's good to know. So why not just dump that onto
0: a dashboard for them? So Rob, I was talking to a gentleman over there about automation, and you guys are actually doing this yeah. using our tools. So we give you the ability with the APIs to create all these different visibility into the, in, into the environments. The last thing here...
1: Yeah, it creates an alert. And because we started to figure, and this is something I pushed really hard on New Relic for, is if, you, if there's something you want to monitor, why wouldn't you want to alert on it? If there's something you want to alert on, why wouldn't you want to monitor on it? So I'm pushing on New Relic to say, give me a button that I just, I don't have to hit it twice. I just say, I want to monitor and alert. Um, so this is a service that does that. Underneath the covers, it's calling this service as it exists right now would be like four different New Relic APIs. right? So we're sort of bridging that gap between all this power and all this great stuff. We asked for a New Relic, and we're operationalizing it because we realized that we, we give people these tools, but their priorities, whatever's on their plate, they can't dig into it deep enough. So we build that bridge and we get
0: them a little closer to where they want to be. I love how you're giving your, our customers' customers, so your customers, right. the ability to consume New Relic. Here's a quick note about uh, us as an APM customer. Most APM vendors out there have three, four, five, maybe 10 users of their tool. I've been to sites that have over 300 users of our tools because everyone needs a different slice of data, which we're gonna get to in a couple minutes. The whole point about everything we're doing is to prove Mm. success. We want to know that when we deploy it, it says hello world. We want to know it says hello world properly, every single time and quickly. So we've covered most of our products here, customer experience, applications, and infrastructure, but this is just part of our platform. We are built on a modern SaaS-based architecture. That's how it was started. Multi-tenant. We are a multi-tenant SaaS-based only architecture. We will scale to your biggest day. We're ready for you. We have, as Rob is using, various APIs that will help you help you self-monitor the environment. And we have very top-notch security. I would compare this with anyone out there. And you have heard, and I've been authorized to talk about this today, you've heard about soft releases, and you've heard about pre-announcements, so I've been authorized to talk about a soft pre-announcement. We will have FedRAMP certification in February. This is a huge deal. We will be the first APM, or infrastructure management company, web-based, SaaS-based company, to get FedRAMP certified. It's a gold standard. You may not be in the government, you may not be state and local, but you'll know that we have a very high level of security when we have FedRAMP certification stamp. On top of all this you've seen today, we cover events, we give you metrics, as well as dashboards. Throughout most of the stuff you've seen, especially with Rob's stuff, you've seen dashboards. They comprise a whole bunch of information across our products. Rob showed you how to create alerts. We have a great alerting mechanism as well as the maps, the health maps, and the discovery that I showed earlier. But on top of all this, is something called New Relic Insights. Now, we get a lot of data, and our customers have asked us, how do we organize it? How do we slice it? How do we visualize it? How can we look at all of our data in one place, in one high-level screenshot? Insights is the way to do it. So there's a couple screenshots that we have here. This is a higher-level executive-level view. We're looking at money, revenue, revenue by quarter, deployments. We want to know exactly how things are being impacted. Here's another dashboard, a little bit more of a storefront. How are things moving up and down? How are our customers going through the environment? The title of this also included Lambda. Now, a couple folks out there talked about, can I talk about Lambda? So we're monitoring cold starts. It's a little bit small for me as well here. We are monitoring function distribution, check distribution. We have metrics across the board. Now, Rob, this is going to be fun. I know you and I have had a couple discussions about Lambda and the use of Lambda Gannett. Can you tell us how Gannett is using Lambda? We don't. Why not?
1: <laughs> See, this is where, this is where uh, Kevin wanted to set me up so that I would, I would uh, trash an Amazon tool at an Amazon conference, but I'm not going to do it. Okay. Okay. Um, Lambda is a perfectly viable tool for a lot of reasons. I think a lot of people just use Lambda or just think that it's going to solve problems that it won't. So we don't use it because we like having insight into the infrastructure that runs under the workloads that we have, right? And I think that a lot of people who use Lambda think that, like, they magically don't have to manage infrastructure anymore because somebody came up with the idea to call it serverless, and uh, that has a certain connotation. So what I will say is that we do a little bit of Lambda as we you know, have functions that we need out of it. I think what New Relic does is really cool. And I think it's also a really good barometer because if you are using Lambda and you think that it's going to solve your problem that you don't need monitoring, you really do. And so I'm, I'm uh, heartened and delighted to see that New Relic takes it seriously.
0: So when you're going to start using Lambda sure. and you're called USA Today, which means you're going to use it soon, y- Sure. do you feel confident that we will be ready to help you monitor it? Yes. OK, at least I got a yes out of them. (laughs) All right, so uh, these dashboards are really easy to create. We have a language called Nurkle, it's really cute. New Relic query language, very much like SQL, very easy to use. You can create these widgets with a couple of commands. Uh, Script this out, write out that Nurkle, and that is your specific code to display this widget. Another example, gets a little bit more in-depth. Now we're pulling up uh, carts left without purchase. A little bit longer, but just as easy to create. Come up with one metric. We have a mobile interface, so we have a mobile application as well for New Relic, and it comprises of three great functions: access it from anywhere, key transactions, and event notifications. So, Rob, I know this has saved your butt. Can you tell me how you use our application safely to help right. you
1: without driving? Right. So you, I will you say, can drive we'll... with this. I'm not going to answer that. So we have... uh, We only have a little bit of time, so I'll make this really quick. Uh, The really interesting thing about, like, when you move to a DevOps culture and you move to a PaaS and you have application teams that were formerly development teams is you put people on call who have never been on call before, right? So you need a really good mobile monitoring app Because you're going to have people who are on-call and don't realize it, and then they go to a ball game or a bar or something, right? And then they get alerted that their system's down, and you need a functional tool that's in their pocket that they can actually go and manage that. So you would say
0: that our application helps you get back to fun? Yeah, exactly. Get you back on vacation?
1: It helps you stay employed when you didn't
0: realize you were on-call. Excellent. We have a ton of data coming into New Relic. In fact, we have 1.5 billion metrics and events coming into New Relic Let me put that in context. That is 400 times the number of tweets or Google searches. Now, that's pretty cool, but when you realize it's much more impressive when that is per minute. We have a lot of data coming in here. In fact, our customers want to know, how can we help them bubble up the issues that are going on with that data? So we're happy to announce that we have baseline alerting. Baseline alerting is the ability to monitor things that are outside what's going on. So we use the best algorithm to automatically detect mm-hmm. issues. We do metric data and Nerkel queries you can use baseline queries on, and we surface abnormalities. So this is what it looks like when you pull up some data, and I want to point out that there are three critical violations that have happened in this baseline query. So you can tweak this, have more alerts or less alerts. APM error profiles, again, a lot of data, but how can we tell you where to focus your attention? So, all of these errors have a code for this. 62% of these errors have this error code. And 62% of these errors are coming from this application. So, we're going to help you find the issues quicker. Radar. Now, radar is also really cool, just introduced it. It starts learning what you're interested in. So, if you're interested in the slowest web application, You can tell New Relic that that's what you want and we'll give you a nice view and a dashboard of what that is. Now we're coming to the end. Got one or two minutes left here. Might go a little bit over. Can you tell me, Rob, what Gannett is expecting from New Relic going forward? What is your vision?
1: Yeah, so I'm really, I'm glad that we had a chance at the end here to talk about baseline alerting and radar because I think those are the two things that really represent what we need. Um, What we've realized as we deliver this to teams for the same reason we built that New Relic service, right? It needs to be more accessible, it needs to be smarter, it needs to be faster, and we need to kind of reduce the barrier to entry of getting into a tool like this. And the way we do that is with smart services like radar and baseline alerting that say, take the guesswork out of monitoring, right? So somebody comes in and tells us, I have a web app. I just wanna do web app monitoring. Okay, so we have some baseline alerts that's set up so they can know hey, your app performed a little weird this week. It was different from the past five weeks. Or you've got five servers running this app, and one of them is performing weird, right? That kind of defining weirdness for our internal customers is a really big deal. Um, So much more of this. We love the potential of Radar. We haven't really started using it yet because there's more and more and more functionality that uh, we need out of it, but we're really, really excited about what this can do when we tie machine learning uh, in with uh,
0: monitoring. So I know you guys are really pushing New Relic to help you. So we've talked about everything from a monitoring point of view to prove success, to help you migrate. So whether it's synthetics without touching code, uh, browser going into the end users, uh, mobile your mobile applications, getting into code and discovering what you're doing, we're going to be there to help you establish baselines, prove success, and help you migrate and help you monitor your environment. Thank you very much for your time. And I want to very much thank Rob for joining me on stage. It has been an awesome process working for Rob. And he has been phenomenal and very excited about the ability to show off what they do with New Relic. Final words, Rob?
1: Uh, just thank you, everybody. Appreciate the ability to kind of stand up here and talk with you all. If you have any questions or comments, feedback, or, uh, we'll probably be out in the hall. Definitely uh, out. Kevin's got the new Relic booth up, and I uh, appreciate your time today. I hope you all are having fun.
0: Here's our booth. If you'd like more in-depth, this was a 200-level discussion. Come to our booth at 2412. We have lightning talks. We're giving away some really cool tech. Talk to our, our very uh, smart technical account managers. Get a little bit more in-depth. Thank you very much for your time and, and presence. I appreciate it.